Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Davis and the Drake Man. A, if it's bi-monthly, it's every two months, right? Yeah. Okay. A bi-monthly podcast hosted by two certified computer technicians. In this edition of the podcast, we'll be discussing the tech news from August and July 2017. August and September 2017. Yeah, uh, August, not July. We already talked about that. So, Davis, long time no speak, eh? Yeah, it's been... Two months, something like that. We are bi-monthly now, I guess. This is a sporadically uploaded podcast hosted by two semi-professionals with not enough free time, apparently. All right, so let's jump right into it. Uh, The first tech news we didn't discuss on episode 11 of the podcast would be your tech news from August 1st through the 7th. Uh, First up, we've got hackers breach, dozens of voting machines. So, I mean, that's a big one. Um, during a, a, a um, cybersecurity conference in Las Vegas, right right at the end of July, like first couple of days of August, um, a bunch of voting machines were proven to be hackable very easily. Um, as many of our viewers know, there was a, a bit of a scandal with uh, the Trump election where, you know, one week we're getting hacked by Russia. They influence the they influence the election. We're still trying to prove it, and we're still trying to disprove it. So it's a mess. The burden of proof falls on the accuser. Like certainly, Russians may have hacked the election and may have wanted uh, Donald Trump in, in the White House, but unless uh, the FBI or the Democratic Party shows us irrefutable proof of that. They're just baseless accusations until that time. So, I mean, this is the United States. We believe in innocent until proven guilty. You don't have to like President Trump to stay true to that principle of innocent until proven guilty. Like, sure, he's, you know, of questionable character, but we don't have any proof that uh, the Russians hacked anything, nor do we have any proof beyond shadow of a doubt that he has colluded with them. So it's just speculation and accusation until such time as there is proof yeah and the thing with uh hacking and cyber cyber crime is always attribution you know with the internet you know the old adage i'm behind seven proxies you know it could have been china influencing the election could have been america influencing the election it it could have been actually davis who hacked my ups my choice account because he wanted to steal my keyboard he's the only person who knew about it I sent him a private PM on Slack, and he was like, oh, i got to have that. Yeah, your PS2 keyboard. My, my, my PC doesn't even have a PS2 cord. I mean, you can adapt it. I mean, you need an active converter, actually. You know, one of those passive ones wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't work, actually. You know what? I'm, I'm still quite happy with the ra- Razer you, you, you actually half-bought me with your discount. <laughs> I'm quite happy with that Razer. So um, for, for those who aren't aware. I don't know how many keyboard enthusiasts there are in uh, the small community we've sort of carved out here, but there is a series of mechanical switches made by IBM in the 80s and 90s called the Buckling Spring. Uh, They're sort of heralded as uh, the grandfather of all modern mechanical keyboards. Uh, I found like a new old stock one. So it was made in 93, but it's never been used. And uh, I, I got a great, great deal on it. So that's coming in the mail today. I'll probably do a review on it for the site, actually. We've never done like a retro style anything, really. We always talk about 
the latest and greatest hardware. So that'll be a nice departure from what we've done. And if I ever get a SNES Classic, <laughs> I'll be able to review some of those games. God. I mean, you could always emulate the games. Yeah, true. Yeah. But not Star Fox 2. Oh, that's right, because it never came out. Ooh. Yeah. Not that I played the original. Man, I miss my Super Nintendo. I had I had so many good games for it. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there that Sega does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> and, yeah. like, which would you rather have? A, a curved black controller or a rectangular gray controller? I don't know, man. Well, well, you know what? Nintendo eventually got and did have a curved black controller when the GameCube came around. And I guess I guess the 64 controller was also kind of curved and came in many colors. The 64 controller is like the worst controller. Yes. Like you need you need three and a half hands for that thing to make sense. I wouldn't be surprised if it was originally developed as like a two person controller. Like you know, siblings are supposed to share this controller for a co op game or something. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like one person holds each of the edges, and then like you take turns using the Z or trigger or something. I'm not sure, but it just it just doesn't. It's so unergonomic. Like, I mean, I know their first controller was just a flat rectangle, but like it was so ahead of its time, they can be forgiven for that. But by the '90s, like you know, there was a lot more competition by that point, and Sony had beaten them to market, so they already gave them an example of like this is what a good controller is: the PS1 controller. Like, it's gone largely unchanged in 20 years. Yeah. Like, that stood the test of time a lot better than the N64 controller yeah. has. I mean, the major additions to the PS, the PlayStation controller, were the analog sticks. The uh, first-gen PS1 controller didn't have them. Um, and those analog sticks actually changed gaming pretty well. Um, you know, the 64 controller did have an analog stick, but that thing would cut open your hand if you ever tried to play Mario Party. Yeah, they didn't they actually offer there was a lawsuit, a glove. Yeah, if you were part of the class action lawsuit, they would offer you a glove to wear while playing the original Mario Party. I think it was because those those small games. Yeah, had you rotate the analog stick. Yeah, I remember trying to use the GameCube analog stick. There's like a a mini game in the original Dragon Ball Z for the oh, GameCube, Budokai. where you got to use the, the special beam cannon. Yeah. Oh, that that destroyed my 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 palm, dude. Yeah, like I had like. I think I had my first calluses, but just from like playing the game. Come on, man. That's a rite of passage. Your blisters need blisters. I got blisters on me fingers. Well, you've offended at least one person with that. All right. So trying to get back on track here, kind of like a half segue. You do have a one piece of gaming tech news in your August 1st or 7th piece here. You got a PlayStation Vita. Which I actually owned for like two days. <laughs> I mean, why why'd you get rid of it? You just didn't like the um the controls. You didn't like controls were great. The problem was the modding for it is so labor intensive. It's one of those things where like if you jailbreak an iPhone and then you update your so called back in jail. Yeah. It's the same problem with the PS Vita. Is um if you install an update, you lose your mod. Mm-hmm. The Vita hack titled uh, what is it Hankaku. Uh, actually jailbreaks the PS Vita permanently. Um, of course, Sony's pissed about it, but the thing is, they stopped first-party support for the Vita a while ago. Yeah, install it once and your Vita will be permanently hacked. No need to apply it after each reboot. Moving now to August 8th through 14th. This was one that I added into your tech news, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Microsoft uh, Surface Pro 
and Surface Laptop are not recommended by Consumer Reports. That was like a big deal because they announced that soon after the Surface Laptop came to market. You know, some people were like, oh, why is Consumer Reports being so hostile towards Microsoft? That Those people were almost certainly fanboys because it's like it's Consumer Reports job to look up for the consumer. They're not looking out for the corporations. Yeah, I mean, it's it's their job to be neutral on this whole thing. I mean, you know, this is corporate America. Opinions can be bought out. Now, if anyone is interested in buying out my colleague's uh, opinion, email him at davis at davisandthejakeman.com. <laughs> You're going to be the only one to email me, aren't you? <laughs> you may want to check your inbox. All right, so uh, so I'm I'm seeing here in in in, in my inbox um, this one weird trick can stop erectile dysfunction. So that I mean that was tech news, right? <laughs> you sure that's not from a certain mutual friends of a friend of ours that stands six foot two? <laughs> Is he does, does he have a bad attitude <laughs> named after a Catholic saint? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Okay. That could be anyone, though. Yep. Could even be a boat. All right. So to uh, get back on track here, the Consumer Reports piece from August 10th says that about one in four Microsoft computers uh, fail within two years of purchase. That That's that's pretty bad. Hey, I mean, that's, that's probably similar to iPhone failure rates, isn't it? I mean, there was the whole touch disease thing. And then um, what was it recently that uh, that um, iPhones were only guaranteed to last one year? I mean, they're only guaranteed to last one year. And that's just so because Apple is cheap and they don't want to replace your unit three years after the fact. Yeah, they, they want you to, you buy, to buy a new one. one. Yeah. Um, but in practice, you can buy the aforementioned six foot two friend owns an iPhone 5S. It's from 2013. It's a four year old phone. It still works fine. I mean, and I, you see a lot of people around with iPhone 5, the 5C, which came out the same year, but uses an, an architecture from 2012. So it's five-year-old A6 processor and it still works fine. So I wouldn't say iPhone failure rates are one in five. I'd say it's probably like maybe one in 20, so five per percentage. That's just like off my anecdotal experience, though. Yeah. Um, I should probably look that up, actually. iPhone failure rate. Yeah, well, they still can't beat Microsoft and Microsoft's original Xbox 360 failure rate. Oh my god, I got the red rings in, in high school. As a matter of fact, what was it, seventy five percent or so at, at launch? Yeah, it was. It, depending on the manufacturer date, it's well above half. All right, so supposedly iPhones from fall twenty sixteen have a sixteen percent rate of failure, which I guess that's on the charging port. Hmm. I mean, it's a pretty thin device. This device I have here charging is from that cycle. Yeah. And it's but... like it's like obscenely thin. Like look at it. It's the height of the it's the height of the port. Yeah. Like you couldn't make this smaller without the charging cable sticking out of both sides. Right. So yeah, I mean they are kind of obsessed with thinness. But yeah. but at least your at least an iPhone failure isn't catastrophic like the whole Note 7 fiasco. Right, exactly. Like, you're just going to have to go to the Apple store and pay an obscene fee to get the port fixed versus, like, the Note 7, like, you get kicked off of an airplane. <laughs> so, yeah. actually, this is your Tech News because it's sort of more at my alley. Um, they renamed the title of the Apple Geniuses. You know that episode they had on South Park? 
Yeah. They made fun of all that. No, that like, was great. Yeah. So ah. the, the technicians in the Apple store are no longer called geniuses. They were called something else. Okay. Google. <laughs> what are geniuses in the Apple store called now? The genius bar itself has been overhauled and now it's named something. How is this a year old? I just heard about this. You're behind the times. Okay. Behind the times, New Roman. Oh, that, as a font junkie, that gets un under my skin so badly. How a lot of professors will make you use Times New Roman. I'm like, but Mercury exists. <laughs> but Georgia exists. But Verdana exists. Any, any serif font that isn't Times New Roman. I'll even use... I'll even use a sans serif font. I'll even use Arial. I'll even use Helvetica. Just don't even use Times New Roman. <laughs> like, I would, <laughs> that's pretty bad. No, I would, I would troll professors by using Arial just because I could. They will put it. They have to put it in, in their syllabuses, but <laughs> yeah, if they, <laughs> it annoys them. <laughs> they, um, if they say Times New Roman or a comparable font, that does leave a lot of room for interpretation. Yeah. Here's a little life hack for you college students. Uh, Georgia is actually very wide compared to Times New Roman. So if your essays are uh, measured based on page length and not word count, you can make each line a lot wider by using Georgia. Yeah, I would also screw around with my font size. Like if you I, could, would, I would put it like 12.1. 12.5, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would mess around with it. If, and, if your, if your uh, essay is long enough, it'll add a page. And if they ask for, like, uh, two-line spacing, you can do, like, 2.15. Yep. <laughs> oh, screw with the margins, too. Mm. Add an extra, like, tenth of an inch, they won't notice. MLA yeah, asks for half an inch, but they're not going to stand there with a ruler. Yeah. They're just going to, if it looks close enough, they're not going to notice. I mean, the other thing is, I've had difficulties with certain professors because I tend to write very, very terse, I think the word is. I, I am a technical writer. Yeah. I, I just get straight to the nitty gritty. Unlike Jake, who likes to wax poetic. Yeah, we, we do have very contrasting styles there. Like, you see writing as a science, and I see it as an art. Yeah, you, you love to finger paint, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I finally pulled up the article here. Did you, oh my god, this is worse. This is worse. I saw this, I saw the headline when this first came out. I didn't ever bother to read the article. All right, so the Genius Bar is now called the Genius Grove. What a terrible name! They added trees to the Apple Store, which kind of disrupts that like tech futuristic aesthetic. I mean, like in the future, like we 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 kill all the trees, right? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you made the trees look like Minecraft or something, maybe I could see it. But it's not it's not very futuristic at all. No. But getting back to the heart of the matter here, I feel like this sort of silly rebranding of their in-store computer technicians is just like they're sullying, not sullying, there's nothing wrong with being green. I don't know. They, the new name is worse. Yeah, I mean, they probably went with Grove just because it started with a G. During the iPhone 7 keynote, they announced that they're developing the GPU, or they developed rather the GPU and asked for it the first time. That was the one component in the uh, as far as the engineering goes, because obviously the parts are mainly sourced from Sony and Samsung. But the engineering was all done in-house except for the GPU. But now they developed the GPU in-house too. And it's actually a tri-core uh, something or other. 
Yeah, I mean, overall, that's going to cut some costs. Right. Not only on the development of the physical product, but on paying royalties. Yeah. Because it's just now it's just Apple is paying itself for its own brilliant ideas. Yeah, I mean, did they basically sink a company by deciding to to, to develop something in-house? That's happened a few times, yeah. Yeah. As we've seen with this announcement of the GPU and the iPhone 8 and uh, 10, uh, Apple is moving towards making all of the components in-house. Yeah. So how much longer does Sony Mobile have? Don't know. Because um, I think there was actually a delay on the iPhone X, the special 10th anniversary edition. There was a delay on the manufacturing because they, um, they're they having a shortage of the OLED screens. Oh, yes. I read about that in this great little piece on uh, Jake Mann's Tech News. Yeah. Hey, I do try to read this stuff. Well, no, I'm not saying that you didn't. I'm, I was just trying to yeah, advertise. advertise that one time I took over your tech news. Yeah, that one time I slept in. <laughs> yeah, and anytime you see the tech news come up on a Tuesday, that's the time I slept in. Because <laughs> if I wake up at noon and it's due by nine, then F it. <laughs> this segment of the podcast is brought to you by davisandjakeman.com slash search slash label slash davis. Now a word from our sponsor, Davis. Hi. Okay. If you'd like to advertise on this podcast, please please contact me at jakeman at davisandjakeman.com. So did you hear about that time SoundCloud was saved by emergency funding as its CEO stepped aside? Yeah, and you were really disappointed like two days before when it was announced they were closing down. Oh, yeah. I PM'd you um, just because we host this podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah. Most people probably get it through Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music, but yeah, it's actually hosted there. So yay, we're still here. They want us, to, dude. It's five dollars a month for their pro service. It's 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 a little steep. At least we don't have to find new hosting. Or also, pay, or pay for new hosting. Their music player requires Flash, so uh, that that alone should tell you all you need to know. <laughs> like this is been the news constantly like i wrote about it last year or the year prior it may yeah i may have wrote about it in 2015 i don't even know when adobe an- announced end of life for flash a long time back and you know as time goes on it just becomes more and more clear that adobe is investing less and less r&d in flash because it's it's the past and html is the present and unfortunately smartphone apps are at the future i hate i hate to say it it's but. it's it's not widgets it's not widgets. Develop a widget. The cutting edge of software development is Windows Vista. <laughs> widgets. <laughs> On Windows 9. So how about the self-healing displays from Motorola, Davis? Relies on something called shape memory polymer, a material that can apparently become deformed and then recovered through thermal cycling. Basically, it, it superheats the um, plastic to, to like, I mean, it's not going to completely repair it. There's still going to be some kind of evidence, but it's not going to be like, the scratches aren't going to be as deep. But the polymer could heat either by, you know, internal like battery and all that. It could also use a user's body heat. Um, I mean, it is just a pen. I'm not sure whether they're actually going to use it anytime soon. There's a crazy amount of phone repairs that are just the screen. You drop it once, you have to go to to everybody's favorite fruit-based vendor. 
and pay an obscene amount just to either replace or repair the screen. I forgot what we were talking about. Uh, we were talking about the uh, we were talking about the self healing displays. But... Okay, right. So that's tech news from fifteenth uh, through the twenty first. I don't think I said that. Uh, oh, okay. Here was one that caught my interest when uh, I was looking over your tech news. Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation uh, pushes private firms to cut ties with Kaspersky Labs. So, um, for those that don't know, Kaspersky Lab is incorporated in Russia. So, you know, with um, with all the allegations of the um, the election hacking and you know, just our 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 sort of cold cyber war with Russia. Um, so the FBI is just kind of cautious, but yeah, there's been long running suspicions among us intelligence officials that Russia spy agencies are using the, uh, are using Kaspersky as a front to gather information, spread malware, you know, just the typical stuff. And because of the success of cyber attacks against the electric grid in Ukraine, um, just the FBI is really, really careful of Russia right now. Fake news. No. <laughs> but um, the FBI officials pointed to multiple specific accusations of wrongdoing by Kaspersky, such as their, their faking malware, you know, their false positives. We're the only ones that can detect this malware type of thing. Is it because they invented it? Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't even really malware, I don't think, but... Well, no, yeah, it's just it's harmless software that's designed to create that false positive, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's why Virus Total isn't quite as reliable. I mean it's still it's still a great site for you know that, but I mean it's just false positives were were a huge issue for antivirus firms for for a couple of years, and they still kind of are. Um, they're not really news. They're not really headline worthy anymore. But you know, it's just it 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 definitely undermines any trust. Yeah, because I think after these accusations, I think that um, the um, the what was it? The CEO of Kaspersky actually submitted the the Kaspersky antivirus to them for an audit, and I I'm pretty sure they didn't find anything suspicious. Who can you really trust? <laughs> Certainly not the fake man. No, no, he's a snake. He's the snake man. <laughs> Who enjoys steak? The steak man. We just cut ties with Kaspersky. We... Yeah, we did. You and I did. Well, I've never. I I've, I haven't used Kaspersky. I've sold it, but I've never used it. <laughs> well, you know, be, being that I remember the Cold War, I don't trust them. For those that don't know, Jake hates freezers. Hate's a strong word. From Tech News 6 through the 12th, Roku files an initial public offering for $100 million. But yeah, Roku, the company that makes the streaming devices, which I think you've used in the past, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I own one for a time. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, with Roku, they have a bit of an image problem because um, you can download various apps to get free content, like television shows and things like that. But most of the, many of those free apps were used for piracy. So because of that, they've got a bit of a um, an image problem. But because of like the safe harbor provisions, it's not really 
their responsibility. It's not. And a lot of these uh, piracy apps need to be sideloaded too. They're not available from the Roku app store. You have to put in a code and then it downloads the app from a third party site. Right. It's kind of like how you can sideload illegal apps on Android. Like it's not Google's fault that people are developing these apps. Yeah. And so they're absolved of responsibility of, you know, trying to deal with that piracy. Yeah. So let's see a couple of stats. Uh, 15 million active accounts. Let's see more than 6.7 billion hours on the Roku platform during the first half of 2017. That is a lot of streaming hours. Um, I mean, not necessarily YouTube levels, but I mean, still. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff on there. Like for a lot of people, I think Roku does the best job of uh, bridging the gap between traditional television. Roku is a vendor neutral platform. Like, you know, they don't want to sell you a bunch of software solutions and streaming subscriptions the way Apple does or Google does. Like Google wants you to buy a Google box and, and rent movies from Google, buy their music and television and so on. Roku doesn't want to sell you that stuff. It just wants to sell you the box. Yeah. Um, so like there's all sorts of weird stuff. Like you, you can like, you can watch live streams of church, like for like for old people who want to cut the cord and you know, folks like your grandma who can't, who can't leave the house, but still want to be involved in that. Like yeah. if she had an, an, an Apple TV, she wouldn't be able to, to watch this Sunday service, but if she had a Roku, she uh, could. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, for Roku, it's just a one-term, it's a one-time thing. And, like, these boxes, like, last a long time. Like, you can, like, if you get a, a Roku one, it'll still work. Yeah. So. I mean, unless they're going to go with either planned obsolescence or things that break after six months or something. Once once they've sold you the box, you, you have nothing more to do with them. I mean, I can't imagine how expensive it is to keep up that 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 that, that app store. Like, I don't really, I don't, I, I I can't imagine it's that costly. I mean, I'm sure there, I'm sure it, it incurs an expense, but how great is that expense? I just don't. Excuse me, I don't understand how they got into the hole as severely as they have. This is kind of bad for um, Roku in the long term because if. What an IPO is, is, you know, they are offering members of the public to buy shares of the company, which means those buyers then get a say in what direction the company moves in. And unfortunately, it is the position of shareholders to look for short-term profit, which isn't always in the company's best interest. We want more porn. (laughs) I mean, speak for yourself, Davis. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. That's wildly inappropriate for this most professional of podcasts you can take it out and post if it's a problem but i'm joking <laughs> i mean i'm just as surprised it came from you as all i'm the usually <laughs> the one that makes the x-rated jokes here you're checking my thunder a little bit bro come on <sighs> i mean we can't do the bad cop good cop thing if you're both the bad cop <laughs> okay and that i was gonna say neatly but that's a stretch that uh and the most sloppy of manners leads us to Jake Mann's tech news from September 13th through the 18th, uh, which for those who don't know is a weekly digest of tech news curated by the editor in chief of the site, Jake Mann. Some good stuff. Yeah. Not weekly at all. <laughs> it's about as weekly as this podcast is monthly. <laughs> let's put it that way. Was at least moderately interested in everything on this list. So let's just get right down to it. 
Uh, first up is uh, Samsung finally lets users of the Galaxy S8 and S8 Plus disable its Bixby button. Um, sort of the one fault with the Samsung Galaxy S8 um, smartphone was that it had a physical button to enable the virtual assistant Bixby, which is um, uh, by most measurements inferior to Siri and the Google Now Assistant. Uh, so people wanted to be able to disable or better yet remap that button to a more useful function, like maybe a camera shutter button, for instance, or to, to launch, I don't know, the web browser, anything basically, text, who, who cares, just not Bixby. And Samsung was actively disabling workaround apps that allowed you to remap or disable that. But they finally uh, pushed a software update for those smartphones that allows you to not remap it, but at least turn it off. Because a lot of people were accidentally hitting it, mistaking it for the power button, and then they would launch the assistant. And it would be like, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. <laughs> no one can help you now. You're in Samsung world. <laughs> yeah. So a little less user hostile. It's a shame that Samsung was even engaging in um, a sort of arms race with those apps in the first place. If people want to, like, Samsung doesn't really sell services. Like, why does it care what people do with the smartphone after they pay for it? Their profits in selling the hardware. Like, they got you to buy the overpriced hardware. Be happy with that. Someone discovered browser-based mining malware on the Pirate Bay. Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. I I pay for all the intellectual property I use. I, I, I know, and I encourage our listeners to do the same. Just looking at a graph here, and it shows like the CPU usage on this one guy's computer is going up to max only when he visits that site. So like these these scripts are configured rather to mine Litecoin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on. Dogecoin. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not been, even kidding. I've been using this 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 uh, this new cryptocurrency called D and the JM coin. It's really gonna catch on. That's that's a nickel. I mean, hey, I mean, I can pay you in D and the Jam coin instead of high fives now. <laughs> yeah, so that's basically all there is to the story. There is no follow up there. The Pirate Bay runs a lot of ads, but they're very intrusive ads, and people use ad blockers. So they were looking into an alternative form of monetization. I mean, they've been under fire from various entities from the government, both of Sweden and in America. And I'm sure that's very costly to keep fighting those battles. And, you know, you need to move the data from the servers from X to Y. You need to have mirrors of the site so that if it goes down, you'll have a backup. How about CC cleanup? You mentioned that in your tech news from this week, and I mentioned it in mine too. Yep. So um, some may know about the C cleaner um, application for Windows and other systems, but um, it's basically a maintenance program. It um, deletes temp files, empties your recycle bin, clears web history. Um, it's also got a registry cleaner in it. Um, it was found to have infected about 700,000 computers. Um, it seems to have been targeted at a few tech firms, um, Google, Cisco, some of the bigger ones. Um, but yeah, it affected a lot of companies. Uh, Google, Microsoft, Akamai, Samsung, Sony, VMware, HTC, Linksys, D-Link, and Cisco. 
But I mean, the thing is, you know, it's it's kind of in this case, kind of a hack supply chain. You know, they they got and they hacked into the site. They set up a, a freaking control server. They injected malware into the the um the download. It's just, I mean, this has been becoming more common. I mean, why hack? Why hack the people when you can hack the source? If you can infect some widely downloaded program or site, you know, just let people download it themselves. All right, and then to wrap things up, uh, we just published your tech news from the 19th through now. Yep, yep. the Sea Cleaner fiasco. We just talked about that. You jacked my news at first. Yeah, but mine was mine was more specific. But mine was shorter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I think your article might have been about the same length. But yeah, um, for those who don't know, a, a couple weeks ago it was discovered that Equifax, the credit reporting agency, was hacked. Um, just about one in every two Americans has had their details leaked. So yeah, you know, full full profile, names, addresses, phone numbers, social security numbers, your credit history. It's it's crazy. Um and um, there was a bit of drama when a couple of the Equifax, um, you know, their their top brass sold their stock before disclosing that they were hacked. <laughs> so that's a no-no. That's a no-no. Abandon ship and, you know, go to prison. Um, so there's that. I don't um, know, man. They can't prove that. Yeah. What if they just felt like selling it? Yep. And then um, making things worse, um, for a couple weeks, they were directing people to a phishing site. Equifax is also trying to sell identity, is also suggesting people to use a specific identity service that they sell. So, yeah, good luck with that one. So, that was some big news there, how that DRM got standardized by the Consortium for the World Wide Web. Yep, and then right after that, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which I follow because, I mean, they're fighting for our rights. Um, you know, they they were trying to protect net neutrality. That failed. Um, they did rally a bunch of people to fight SOPA, CISPA. Um, the newest one is SESTA or something. But it's, it's just getting ridiculous. There's always some kind of bill trying to get passed that will, you know, censor Americans or... Or, you know, um, change the web as we know it. But um, this one has is pretty big because um, now with um, the newest standard of HTML, which is, you know, the programming language used to code most of the web. Every time you load a web page, that's HTML right there. But um, the newest version, HTML5, will now have DRM baked into it, which is going to be a problem because... Um, it's just going to change how things stream on the web. If you're if you're viewing, you know, some video on the wrong site, if you're if 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 it was sourced on YouTube or it's owned by Warner Brothers or something like that, and it's on the wrong site, you know, it's going to get locked down. It might not work. It might not play. Yeah, and you might get reported, fined, and sent to prison. I mean the. DRM stuff would just be the usual steps of hiding behind a proxy. I mean, the thing is, it's not it's not something where you could you know switch browsers or perhaps use Tor and a proxy. Um, it's baked into the web page itself. If you load the web page, yeah, it's 
Well, no, the, D- the DRM protection is there, but the associated tracking is not. So right. like, you would be able to, I mean, if right. you were trying to access it illegally, you would, you would, you know, probably escape persecution or prosecution is what I meant right. um, by hiding behind a proxy. But yeah, you still wouldn't be able to view that content. Yeah. Which I don't know how, how I feel about that because on the one hand, like if you're not paying for it, then, you know, it, how wrong is it really to them demand you pay for something they're charging a fee for. Yeah. Like if you don't want to pay the fee, don't pay the fee. But um, yeah, I, I, I agree that it should be built on top of uh, HTML5, not based to the standard itself. Um, and DRM has been proving counterproductive. I mean, there's been so many cases where, um, especially in video games, where legitimate users were unable to use either a game or a product while the pirates could. Yeah. Um, was, was, Sonic Mania. I was just, just going to say that. That was in the, the news a lot. Folks who paid for the PC version of the game could not play it offline. You know, they, they patched it, but the fact that it was ever an issue just goes to show you that DRM was, was more harm than good. Yeah. And then um, the other thing is uh, Denuvo, which is one of the most, which is probably the most popular anti-piracy DRM, um, keeps getting broken very quickly. I mean, some game some game makers have elected just not to include it because number one, it, it it actually takes it can leave a performance impact on video games. You might have to turn down your graphic settings. You might get stutters. You might get frame breaking. There's been more of a trend lately where game developers are including it at launch and then patching it out later. Um, in in game development in um, that industry, I mean, usually. Most of your fit and most of your sales are going to be the first two weeks. After that, you know, piracy is less of a concern. Anybody who is going to pay full price for the game has already paid it by right. two weeks. They would have done so at or near launch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at me. I'm a PC gamer. I'll I'll gladly wait six buttons six months for the game to hit half price. I think that's a wrap. Honestly, that's probably the most important stuff. Like because we had to condense two months into one podcast, it's probably best that we just mention the highlights yeah i mean we've probably got an hour and a half of material you have to sift through now right yeah make less work for the jake man by shutting up (laughs) all right so do we want to do an outro or just end it yeah and this has been episode 12 of davis and the jake man the official podcast of davis and the jake man.com a website hosted by two certified computer technicians views expressed on this podcast are solely our own uh and davis and the jake man is not a company or legal entity of any sort for more, visit us at davisandjakeman.com.
but it's just it's a cluster um you know, if you live you know the- i just i just want to point out anytime we uh swear i have to put a beep because oh, we're because we're g-rated on the apple podcast oh i'm sorry cursing cursing davis but this whole equifax this whole equifax thing has been a mess 